The reading of the word from Mark 10, 17 through 31. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it? How hard will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything to follow you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news, who will not receive the hundredfold now in his age. Houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and fields with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The word of the Lord. Good morning. I want to welcome everyone on our uh, live streaming app, whether uh, you have a part of our church for some time or you just stumbled along because this is where you are uh, this morning. We're glad you're here. Uh, we're engaged in a practice called social distancing which is an attempt to slow down the spread of the coronavirus that we're dealing with right now. I don't know if you've ever experienced social distancing before. I think for me, um, this is a first. This is the first time to preach in a, a mostly empty auditorium on a Sunday morning. But then I thought a little bit more about social distancing and what that entails. Uh, you keep everything at arm's length. You stay at home instead of going out on social events, and I realized I have experienced social distancing before. It's called middle school, in high school, in college. I want to tell you a few things about what's going on in the life of our church right now. Um, first of all, if you haven't had a chance to uh, engage in our offering, you have a chance to do that now. Uh, you can do it at highlandchurch.org give. Uh, you can text uh, to give. Or you can send in your check to uh, the church this week, and we will process that for you. There will be no events in the building tonight or Wednesday this week. Uh, Freedom and Grace will also not meet this week, um, but we are planning to have sack dinners for folks who are usually go to that. The listening group on uh, event on March 22nd is going to be postponed, as well as the ultimate game night on March 24th. Uh, we took communion together uh, 
although it was a dispersed way to do that, and you may not have had the elements you needed at home, uh, we have those little communion packets uh, available for you, and you can pick them up at the office this week. And if going out just simply is not an option for you, uh, call the office and let somebody know, and we will bring them uh, to your house. Uh, this this uh, change is also an opportunity for God to work. We believe that in everything, God can work for the good uh, of, of the world. And so we are looking for the best ways to serve our community. We are retooling the way that we serve at the food pantry, and we need some help there uh, to create a drive-through system where folks can get bags that are prearranged uh, with food. And so if your RHG or your family would like to help, uh, please email Becky at Becky at HighlandChurch.org. Um, and there may be a lot of other ways and places that we as a church community and you as individuals can serve your neighbors and your brothers, your sisters, and your friends. And so I want to encourage you for the next few weeks, keep an eye out for people. Keep an eye out for how God might be moving and working in this uh, situation to do some good, to show some love. We don't know how long uh, we, it will be wise for us to remain in this format but our judgment will be continued to be guided by the Spirit, and our concern is still for, the most, for those at the most at risk in our community. I was telling Natalie last night, uh, as we were putting our boys to bed, as scary, this, this, as scary as this is, I'm grateful that our boys will probably be safe. But they, my sons, have a lot of spiritual grandmas and grandpas here at this church. And we want to do our best to keep them safe too. So we're engaging in social distancing. And a friend sent me this note that a rabbi in New York sent to his congregation. He said, for every handshake that you don't do, send an email or a note of encouragement. For everything that you would normally engage in this week that you're going to choose not to do, find a way to do something else that's good or positive. And so you may need to be a little extra vigilant to care for those whom you would normally hug their necks. And so for just a minute, imagine your typical Sunday experience as you walk from the parking lot to your class or you come into this auditorium to worship and think about all the people that you would greet, all those people that you would love on, and do it this week anyway. Find a way for us to care for one another. Let's pray. Father God, we are mindful of the world this morning. We are mindful of our nation and we are mindful of our city. And Father, we pray that you move in a mighty way. That you will find ways to bring good out of hard situations. That you will find ways to lead and guide your people to courageous love. And Father, we pray for this time now, as we are dispersed around our city, around our nation, and around the world, uh, Father, we pray that you move in the living rooms and in this room and in every place that we are. Fill those places with your spirit and pour through me the gift of preaching that I may speak your truth and love to these, your people. And it's together that the church says, amen. We're in Mark chapter 10 today, so open up your Bible because you're going to want to hang in there with me. This week, the story is typically called the rich young ruler. 
And I was absolutely prepared at the beginning of this week to convince you that you might just need to give your money away. But I think the stock market beat me to it. Uh, This week, the thing that has been rolling around my head is this isn't a story about money. (coughs) Excuse me. This is a story about discipleship. It's about the things that compete with God for our time and for our talent and for the treasure of our hearts. I think in the first century, if you replaced ruler with celebrity or star or athlete, we might be pretty close to understanding what's going on in our own culture. Stories like LeBron James who donated money so that a thousand kids could go to college. That's an amazing story. Or even this week, so many athletes who donated money so that the guy that uh, sells pretzels at the stadium can still get paid. This rich young ruler, he is a good guy. He is a sincere, clear-headed man that wants to do the right thing, and he has been trying his best since he was a kid. And so Jesus says to him, give up your possessions, give them to the poor, and come and follow me. There are so many surprises in this text. The man calls Jesus good, and that might just be an attempt to flatter, or it might just be an honest assessment. And Jesus responds in a surprising way. He says, only God is good. And there's, I think what's going on there is a fundamentally different definition of the word good. It's not the same as when I say, this is a good piece of pizza. Why isn't Jesus good. At some level, Jesus' response, why do you call me only God is good, is, is, is trying to get at the, the realization that the young man doesn't know the difference between good and good. Because if he's not very good at telling the difference between good and good, then what good is he at being good? In a theological sense, All good things are a reflection of the ultimate goodness of God. But there's also this economic sense of the things, uh, goods. They are, are things that we buy and we sell and are good because they are drawn from the creation of the ultimate good, that is, God. But there's this other sense where goods might be a synonym for riches or material possessions or, or things that are treasured or sometimes hoarded because they reflect God's, not because they reflect God's good creative intent, but because they feel some sort of consumeristic need or even greed. Another way to be put that is to be careful what you own because it might just end up owning you. And so what Jesus is trying to do here is, is to tease out that difference between the goodness, the ultimate goodness, which is God, and the goods that this rich man wants to hang on to. And the man can't follow, for he had great wealth, and his face falls, and he walks away. And Jesus just watches him go. I had to believe that Jesus' eyes, as he watched that fine coat draped over the man's back, 
had pity and sadness in them, not condemnation. Following the rules will not get you where you want to go. Jesus makes that clear. Faithful adherence, adherence to the Torah was not enough. Martin Luther thought this text was one of the walls that were so insurmountable it drove us to grace. Jesus asks the man to give up everything so that he could truly be free. And it's only in this total surrender to grace that we find freedom from our sinful nature, from the imperfections of our own selfish goals, from the fruitless chasing of what the preacher of Ecclesiastes calls chasing after the wind. The man wanted to embrace the good so that he might inherit And at the end of the story, the man walks away sad because he can't tell the difference between his goods and where good, the good, reside. Perhaps because our hands are so full of the cheap dollar store knockoffs of the real things that when it's offered to us, we simply can't take it. Scott Bader Say says it this way, To love the man, Jesus must tell him the hard truth, that his wealth is in the way. So Jesus invites him as an act of love to unload his burden, to give away his wealth, to free himself from that which has come to bind him, even though he has no idea that he is bound. This is love. And this is truth. And it's it's hard for him to hear. His wealth has paradoxically created a lack. It's a lack he cannot even see. C.S. Lewis writes in his book, The Weight of Glory, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards God promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. I find what's most striking is the response of the disciples. They are amazed In the first century, wealth was a symbol of God's approval, and Jesus says the impossible. The most likely person who you think is certainly going to heaven, the one whom God obviously loves and cares for, maybe replace the rich young ruler with your beloved great Aunt Myrtle or your wise and gentle grandfather with John and Evelyn Willis, that person, it is harder for them to fit fit a camel through the eye of a needle than it is for that person to make it to heaven. If this guy can't be saved, who can? Jesus' response is simple. With mortals, that is impossible. But not for God. With God, all things are possible. The grace that God offers us, it's not just for the rich and the favored, the blessed, the powerful, the smart and the cool that can be saved. With God, all things are possible. God can save everyone because it's not us who are required to do the saving. The only one that is good, God, is the one that makes that possible. 
We have such a shallow and flaccid sense of God's goodness and love. This text ends on a promise. Peter says, look, we, we left everything for you. And Jesus makes a promise. No one, no one who leaves houses or families or sisters or brothers or jobs will not find a hundredfold more than what they lost. Now, this is not a get-rich-quick kingdom. This is not some sort of health and wealth gospel. Jesus reminds us that including, uh, we're uh, being included in the meaningful work and the meaningful relationships and the meaningful adventures that we have when we say yes to the kingdom, when we open up our hands from all the things that we were hanging on to that don't really have value, when instead we grasp onto what God is calling to us in our lives, included in all of those things will also be new persecutions. Jesus isn't offering material reward or some sort of spiritual formula for a heavenly 401k. What Jesus is offering is a different life. And God will not stop wrestling our minds and calling our eyes away from the goods so that we can see the good. God will not stop until he alone is seated in the throne of our hearts and God alone. It is a story that is repeated over and over again in celebrate recovery circles and spiritually exiled and nomadic children and in our prodigal hearts. That when we find the courage to let go of the thing that is consuming us, when we open our hands to receive what God is ready to give us, we find ourselves more deeply blessed than we could possibly imagine. The kingdom of God is not governed by the rules of power and prestige, of human expectation. It's the place where the first will be last and the last will be first. Nothing is ever lost in the kingdom of God. There is nothing lost. No sacrifice that God cannot use to bring fruit. The blessings of the kingdom are not sort of promise of pie in the sky when you die. The reality of the church is that the abundance of God's gifts and grace is here, ready to be experienced now, all of which are the first course in the feast that God has in store. And so today, we examine our hearts, and we ask ourselves the question, what is truly on our throne? Do we have the courage and the honest commitment to let go of the things that bind us, accept the grace of God which can change us and give you the life you would have never imagined? Highland, we don't know what this week is going to look like, but we trust in the God who holds the future. And so this week, have courage have courage to love someone that is your neighbor or your friend. Have courage to do the right thing even though you feel a little bit afraid. May you be filled with his spirit. May you go in peace.